Welcome to the Sheila Kama Extractive Podcast. Uh, my guest today is Sharon Kwembi. Sharon is a geologist and has more than 20 years in the mining industry in bulk minerals. She has worked for a private equity group called African Minerals Exploration and Development Funds operating in over 20 countries in Africa. Sharon is Managing Director of Tito Mining, which has operations in South Africa, Botswana, and Zambia. Sharon, welcome to the Sheila Kama Extractive Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Right. Uh, you know, we, we've been talking about this governance issue and, uh, and uh, ESG, and, and ESG particularly uh, it has different facets. And I wanted to speak to you about governance, but with a view to the uh, notion of being inclusive. So how has ESG changed, if any, the place of women in the mining industry today, Sharon? Thank you for that question, uh, Sheila. Um, so ESG is a positive contributor to um, the cause of women within the mining industry. Seeing that there's a global demand in minerals and metals and organizations and mining institutions need to put an increased effort to improve on operations and primarily focusing on the ESG dimensions. So in terms of the ESG dimensions, not necessarily the environmental and the social, but particularly in the governance uh, aspect, um, there is a focus to attract people that will help to transform, to improve, and to present companies at a competitive advantage. And there are matrices that are put in place that measure the performance of these com companies in the kind of people that are being attracted. And women in particular are a positive catalyst in their lateral thinking capabilities. So infusing these ESG matrices enforces the companies to have maximum transparency in terms of the different kinds of participants that they are attracting, who are able to distribute the rights and responsibilities of the areas uh, naturally so. So attracting women as board of directors, managers, shareholders, and stakeholders and the like. So ESG has been a positive contributor towards drawing women in the, uh, and uh, making sure that women have a place within the mining industry. Thank you. I, I'm intrigued that you, you state the role of women as first uh, people who are working, uh, people who are leading strategy and, and uh, boards, but also as investors. Is this what we mean by inclusion uh, and diversity? Or, or does that phrase represent something else? In other words, if we uh, rally women at this different forum, will we be inclusive or is there something else to do? Yes, um, inclusion is very important. It, it This is what it means, uh, the inclusion of uh, women in particular for this conversation. And it's an important aspect of ESG in particular, but there's a bigger debate that is related to inclusion 
that is synonymous to gender equity and then as well as diversity, looking at different kinds of people. And to some extent, there's a belief that is incorporated. So women are at the central point because they're able to engage in multilateral debates that are dealing with inclusion, not necessarily from an ESG perspective only, but from an EDI or DEI perspective where the voices of women are the central, at the center of those discussions. And yes, we are not there yet. We have a long way to go, but it's the beginning and it enforces these uh, little discussions that are opening up some bigger debates that talk to inclusion and words that are synonymous to inclusion. So by DE, I, you mean diversity, equity, and inclusion. Let's take that whole concept and, and try and deal with diversity. And then maybe we could talk about what do we mean then by diversity? And why is diversity helpful to the cause of women? Diversity, uh, to my understanding, means the diverse groups or diverse people that form part of a community. And they are then classified under diversity. And these groups, are some are previously marginalized. They have been neglected for uh, periods of time and were not able to participate in the economic development of um, spaces. So diversity would incorporate people that are diverse in their uh, nature. And so, this includes, yes, yes. Yes, I was saying this includes those living with uh, disabilities, uh, people that are of different orientation and, and the like. Right, so, so basically the idea is to ensure that uh, from a governance, and accountability and development perspective, all the voices that might, for whatever reason, have previously not been heard are now heard, but also that they are given opportunity, not just vocally, but also in terms of being involved and hands on deck, that they contribute to uh, economic development. No, your country, uh, South Africa, of course, uh, has... Uh, also a difficult past in that a, a huge majority of people, not just women, were excluded. How does the equity in DEI help with uh, ensuring that as we move forward, we are not just including, but we are doing so in an equitable manner? Um, South Africa is... Um... We are policy. Uh, we are a policy type of country that would start with policy. So there are policies that have already been put in place to cater for different groups and, in particular, women. There are policies that incorporate the inclusion of women, uh, and they are classified as designated groups. So along with youth and those persons with disabilities. Uh, even the president himself is measured on 
uh, how he is uh, in, on his KPI, how he is capacitating women, youth, and people with disabilities in the form of employment or job opportunities. So the policies are there and the challenge that South Africa is facing is the active implementation of these policies and the encouragement of women to be well capacitated and well positioned to be able to fulfill these policies and what they were intended to do initially. Mm -hmm. So, so as usual, we move from the conceptual space, we then uh, use various uh, concepts and, and principles of governance to design a policy. And then the next step is to implement. And it doesn't follow that just because you have a good policy, that you also have either the willingness or the capacity to implement. And, and, and yet it is exactly that latter stage, isn't it, Sharon, that makes the difference. So tell me, when we think about these policies, um, in modern day South African mining environment, how well have we embraced this and, and what are we seeing about the impact of inclusion and diversity uh, in South Africa's mining environment? Um, the, the impact is it's, it's minimal currently because the implementation, it's a work in progress. But for mining in particular, for a young graduate, mining was attractive or seems to be an attractive industry due to its uh, financial or economic prospect. But then mining has a challenge of retaining especially women groups within the industry. And then there, there is a lack of the upward mobility and the promotion of women once they are there in that, uh, in that space. So we see now the policies not being uh, effective in, in, in terms of capacitating women well enough and women should also qualify as well to be part of that uh, economic uh, progression. So in the form of businesses, you know, there's compliance issues where women lack and there's skills, skills that uh, need to be transferred in terms of women who were previously more technical in their, in their employment, but now there's room for them to grow as you know, with managerial uh, positions, and they are not necessarily proactively capacitated within the mining industry for them to assume those roles readily. That's why the progress of women seems to be a lot slower than before and or, or than other industries. So in construction, I, I, I would presume that the progress of women is a lot faster because women are promoted readily, but in mining, uh, it's a lot slower. And that's the debate and the dialogues we, we are having. And that's the change that needs to happen in terms of exercising the policies that are there and how they are implemented in, within the extractive industry. So, so that's very interesting because you, you make mention of the notion of upward mobility, which is to say uh, women come from uh, university 
with their male counterparts and they enter the industry. Yes. And either due to lack of retention of uh, upward mobility, we then lose them. So despite mm -hmm. the investment in education, this lack of uh, retention, tell me, what do you think is at the root of this? Is it that there is a culture in mining or is it that in effect, our own social fabric of society holds women back? What, what is, what is uh, the real uh, challenge here from your experience being in the industry? Um, Sheila, I would say the first is definitely the culture, as you've mentioned, that the culture is very hard to um, to traverse, uh, and especially if you lack mentorship, uh, it's not easy to see the culture as uh, something that you can bypass. So it, it becomes a little bit difficult for a, a woman who is a graduate to stay there so you those who stay are either seen as a hard rock they become different uh, characters or personalities with the mentality of fighting for their rights until the end those who leave uh, have given up and they've seen other areas where they can be of use so um the culture is it's not something that is easy to maneuver but there is hope that the culture can be can be changed with true uh, discussions and um, strategic um, a strategic determination to be real and honest about the issues that are within the mining space, and also the the issue of. Um, emotional intelligence, where we as women, once capacitated with emotional intelligence, we are able to move to those higher positions and assume them without uh, having to bleed our emotions in the whole process. So we, we, then, uh, we are then able to freely uh, take on those leadership roles where it's now uh, you are manager and you're managing uh, men who are older than you and you are able to lead with emotional intelligence and also the confidence of women. You know, women are apologetic in their space. They are afraid of retrenchments, job losses. Their voices are still very, very faint. So once we gain the confidence as women, then our voices are then elevated and we are able to speak up and use our lateral thinking for the positive uh, in the economic progression of the organizations within the mining industry. Yeah, it's, uh, you've, you've said a mouthful uh, and in many ways, I don't know where to start. For one, I was reflecting on myself when, when I first started, it wasn't in mining after graduation. <laughs> The team mm. that I led included men, I remember now, I didn't think about it at mm. the time. Actually, one of them was already in his uh, late 50s and I was like 21 and he mm. answered to me. And sometimes I think it's the kindness of men and their willingness to accept. Uh, and and they, they these men accepted my leadership, even though, to be fair, in terms of day-to-day, -day, they knew better. I, I mm. had the, the broader academic understanding mm. and, and would absorb knowledge much quicker 
strategize and see the bigger picture. Uh, mm -hmm. But in terms of just the nuts and bolts, the, the way it infect my tutors. The other side, of course, is that I'm also mindful that in this space of diversity and inclusion, it's it's uh, tempting, isn't it, Cheryl, to to see things in in especially given South Africa's uh, racial background, it's tempting to see things also in in racial dimension. But in effect, inclusion and diversity is a hell of a lot more than that, as you said. It's also about previously disadvantaged people in our own indigenous communities, but it is also uh, the handicapped and, 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 and so forth and so forth. And my career, I was hired in the mining industry by white South African men and mm -hmm. uh, promoted by them throughout my career. And, and, and mm -hmm. so it really is a very complex issue. Uh, and, and, and so I, I did want to ask you because you quite rightly said, because of South Africa's history, you have had to go to ground zero as a country and really mm. take stock of your policies. And so South Africa mm. has this great advantage that the questions you had to answer uh, following uh, you know, change of governments in many ways were, were fairly straightforward, which was we want to right the wrong of the past. It, some yes. countries, it's a, it's a, it's a strange paradox because that was really an advantage. So you did come up with employment equity laws uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and all that. And, and I wanted to ask, have these laws been helpful uh, and are they strengthened by governance and ESG or do you see the laws and ESG essentially running parallel? I would say the laws are helpful because um, without them, then we, nobody would be measured on anything. So the laws, they actually, um, they challenge us to transform and parallel to ESG, ESG also enables the laws to be implemented. So the where we are now is women taking up their space, women being ready, and then women being counted and women being um, part of those statistics of women who are at the top, who are leading with the wolves, with the men. So we, we, the laws are, are needed, but the implementation is lagging behind. And I want to come back to what you had mentioned about you, your, you, gaining support from men, that that is exactly what we also need, is that here, here, I, am, here I am, Sharon, talking to uh, Mam Sheila, and we need to engage with men. We need a Simon in the room so that we can engage with men uh, and have these discussions because they also have the power to transform the space for women to lead. And on our own, as women having conversations on our own, it 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 may amount to very little being done. But with as a collective, you know, a lot is being done because they can still make those decisions in the boardroom and elevate women and represent the cause of women, so that the the policies themselves are not just documents that are sitting somewhere, but they they are implemented and they are 
they are being used for what they were intended to be used for. Yeah, it's, I mean, we speak about mining and mining being a, a man's place. I was quite shocked. I read the statistics just last year from South Africa's Minerals uh, Council, which indicated that in 2002, when the mining industry in your country employed something in nearly half a million people, only 11,000 were women. I was shocked. This was 2002. And I was working for Anglo American then. And I didn't realize that I was a needle in a haystack. Mm. Ele and, and, and that does not, I'm 11,000. I was shocked. Uh, so I think it's, it's worth really reminding uh, the world. Uh, of these statistics, because it comes back to your original point, which is that we are excluding an, an entire sector of the uh, population from contributing meaningfully to the development of minerals. It's a, it's a tragedy, if you think about it. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and But I, I wanted to ask you, you know, it's one thing to have policies and laws and company strategies on diversity, uh, equity and inclusion. But my experience is that the individual still has to fend for themselves. And you spoke earlier about emotional intelligence as a form of resilience. Tell me about what this looks like when, when ultimately you've got the laws, you've got the job, but you're still Cheryl Gumbe and you have to fend for yourself. What does it look like? Um, to me, yes, we can't rely on policy only for us to progress. We need to be the best at what we do. Um, and we, when you are hired to play a role, be the best at what you can do, at what you do and learn from everyone around you. And that's where we're not relying on policy only. We, we are then trying to break through this glass ceiling that we have as women. We, uh, there are also these cultural myths and gender biases that we are facing. So peer-to-peer -peer mentorship also helps, but being the best in what you do and not relying that on policy alone to shift you. Yes, there are instances where the job that you have requires you to be more physically strong, you know, where you it's really physically intense. And this is the mining space. And women who work in those areas may not, you know, be promoted readily because physically they are not strong enough to cater for that. But do the best, whatever you are given. If your task is to sweep underground, be the best in what you do so that when the time comes for um, upward mobility, your name does come up, you know, your name is coming up, not just purely because of a tick box exercise for policy uh, compliance, but because you have achieved that position on merit. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, the way I put it, uh, Sharon, is that 
there is no substitute for putting an honest full day's work. There's just no substitute. It doesn't automatically mean that you will achieve that upward mobility because the workplace uh, isn't always governed uh, fairly. The workplace isn't always governed uh, transparency. And sometimes hard work, ironically, isn't welcome because it might upset uh, some, you know, structure and expectations or culture. But minimally, it, it does seem to me that um, hard work is, is a given if you want to advance. But I have to turn that on its head and say, are we risking saying to women that they must work harder than men? Is that what it takes? Or if we work as hard as men, is that sufficient? Uh, that is a very tricky question. Um, but to me, you you as an individual, be honest with yourself and do put in the hard day's work, whether it's harder than men or not, but that's what is required for the position is that you as an individual, you put in what you are able to do as your your true and best effort. And that's what will actually um, make the difference. Uh, not necessarily downplay, because we do also downplay our strengths so that we don't get ourselves in trouble. But uh, at the same time, as an individual, if you know your capability and your capacity that you are able to achieve this target, we should be honest and do it for our own true self's sake. Yeah. So here is my, my last question. And, and it stays in this space of what we ourselves uh, uh, can do. I mean, it is a man's world. We've admitted that. So uh, quite apart from hard work, which is a generic, you know, uh, turn of phrase, and it's really about a work ethic. Can mm. you think of certain very uniquely uh, challenging but necessary things for women to do as women, given what we know in the workplace, in mining, in order to succeed. We, we've said work hard, but can we be concrete about what the challenge and what working hard for a woman in the mining space might entail in fairly specific terms? And think of your own experience as, as a geologist. What did that mean? Um, I would say when I capacitating myself, being coming out of the company and looking for other, you know, sources of um, information that will help inside the company. Once I started doing that, then I became valuable because I had other sources of information. So being part of dialogues, discussions, Roundtables is also important where you are not just there isolated in the company or the organization or in your own little corner, but you are engaging with other women, with other men. So peer-to-peer -peer mentorship, being part of those kind of platforms is able to assist in terms of you finding ways to deal with some of the challenges you face. And also um, 
understanding some of the stereotypes that are there that are you know based on culture or past backgrounds because we are all essentially victims of something the system and understanding what that is and also getting the buy-in of someone that is sort of a sponsor that will um, help you to see what is real and what is not real it's also very important because without the buy-in then your ideas are as good as useless so you would need to engage with senior officials directors men who or men in particular who are having those positions that will guide you so that you see what is gender related and what is not and you're able to uh, see what it is that you can do in your own capacity and um, the quality and efficiency of our work should always speak for itself uh, and we, we, we that's where the strength also is in terms of our success and it is a work in progress mining is slow but there is movement to be honest and we are we are we are grateful for policies that we can also refer to every now and then when we have challenges that look at this are you complying because they provide that gateway for us to enter into these places and that's that's my take on on how to take it forward and how women can also um be empowered, but also young women that are coming into the industry being, uh, if they are able to see it before coming in, then the future of mining is very bright because they won't have to go through all these little pains and nuances as much as we did in our time. That's fantastic. Yeah, you, you, you emphasize very well the importance of uh, taking responsibility and going beyond the organizations that employ you, because sometimes your biggest support mechanism is outside and your ability to bring that uh, to the workplace is an additional strength. But more importantly, the notion that your work must speak for yourself based on its quality is so important because you are not always in the room, but if you are not in the room, but your work is in the room uh, and it shines, then that can only help. Well, Sharon, thank you very much for joining the Sheila Kama Extracted Podcast. Uh, I think many people will find your uh, contributions here today invaluable. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this discussion. <laughs>